0: We're the Denver Broncos cheerleaders, and you're listening to Sports Crunch with D-Crom. Good morning, afternoon, evening, wherever or whenever you guest kittens are. This is Sports Crunch with D-Crom. I'm your host, David Cromwell. It is hard to believe, but we are truly only three weeks away from the official kickoff of the 2022 NFL season. But until then, we still have two preseason games and two more rounds of roster cuts to go as teams wrestle with some hard decisions on who to keep for their final 53. Plus, we also have some intriguing news and notes from around the NFL to dig into. And what better person on earth is there to help us analyze it all than my right-hand man, Hal Bent, to full-press coverage? How was your first week of NFL games since Super Bowl 56, Hal?
1: Oh, it was much needed. It was welcome. It was just inner peace and nirvana. Football was back. Everything was right in the world. That's just what we needed. Oh.
0: Oh, absolutely. And we are going to analyze some of those uh, preseason games in just a little bit, but we just have to start this show off with the big news that just broke today. Today, the NFL and NFLPA agreed on a final settlement regarding discipline for Brown's quarterback, Deshaun Watson. Watson will end up serving an 11-game suspension pay a $5 million fine, and be required to undergo a behavioral health evaluation and follow a subsequent treatment plan for violating the league's personal conduct policy. While this penalty is far harsher than the one issued by Judge Sue Robinson, it still clearly, and I mean clearly seems like one that does not go far enough, especially considering the disturbing graphic sexual misconduct Watson was accused of. What are your thoughts on this settlement, Hal?
1: I mean, I thought it was the NFL sweeping it under the rug. I felt it should have been at minimum a year minimum and then reconsider reinstatement. I think the contract shenanigans that the Browns did to limit that fine should have resulted in much more than a $5 million fine. Uh, He basically got fined half of what he got paid for sitting out last season. So I thought that was ridiculously low and the Clown show put on by the Haslams with Deshaun Watson and his total Trumpian ability to apologize for nothing and take no responsibility made it look like, you know, that it was just a useless suspension. He, you know, had, you know, apologized for any pain I caused. Well, no, no, you're not. You know, Uh, (laughs) he wasn't apologizing for anything. It was, absolutely insane i just you know could not believe that that went on and they allowed that in cleveland cleveland the team looks horrible uh watson looks horrible it's a pr punch in the face and you know for all intents and purposes
0: you're definitely not alone there hal and uh, you use some uh, powerful language to sum up your feelings and uh, props to you for that and all i could say is the nfl has Calvin Ridley suspended for a season because of sports gambling, sports gambling. And they had Deshaun Watson um, suspended only 11 games for sexual misconduct of countless, 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 countless women. I mean, is this ass backwards or what?
1: It could not be any more ass backwards. The NFL, um, I mean, just making it a joke here, on how they feel about the fastest growing fan base of the nfl which is women right now so they're trying to you know get as much money out of women and eyeballs and um you know a huge segment of their audience and just acting like they do not care about them i mean there's more punishment for Substance abuse, you're seeing, you know, weed, which is legal in half the country right now. And, you know, there are players like Josh Gordon who've lost, what, four or five years, um, you know, being suspended for various offenses. Martavius Bryant, indefinite suspensions we've seen. Um, And the NFL is basically between this and, you know, the entire disgusting Daniel Snyder in Washington, D.C., um, and everything that's been going on there in that franchise for years without the league taking any action and barely a slap on the wrist for him, the league is basically saying, you know, we don't care about women. We don't care about that at all. Um, we, we're we just going on with business as usual in the NFL. We're going to sweep it under the, the rug, um, hope that we're bulletproof, and hope everybody starts talking about something else in a couple of weeks
0: who's worse in terms of owning a team dan snyder or the haslams i think it's pretty damn close and i don't think the haslams are that much better than dan snyder if not at all right
1: now. no not at all i mean the 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 nfl ownership groups there are people you know you could put half the teams up for sale and say we're getting rid of these owners and you would have plenty of buyers uh paying record prices to get their hands on one of these cash cow franchises there's no sense for the nfl hurting their product um you know the owner's not there the the commissioner's not there just to protect the owners he's there to protect the league and if there's a problem with an owner you know there has to be decisive action that's part of his job whether he likes it or not he has to do the best thing that's in the best interest for all 32 owners and if that's getting rid of Snyder if that's pressuring Haslam to get out of there and getting rid of all of these headache owners who are making the league look bad and have them force them to sell out pressure them then that's what he should be doing to earn his astronomical salary there as commissioner of the NFL
0: Unfortunately, that is much easier said than done because the owners pay Roger Goodell. Roger Goodell does not pay the owners, he answers to all the owners. And if uh, 31 other owners don't raise a peep about Jimmy Haslam or Dan Snyder, he's not going to do anything. And that is the sad, 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 sad truth. And we are going to keep talking about uh, the issue of women in the NFL on countless future episodes but we have to move on and talk about week one of preseason action. What was your biggest takeaway from watching all the games this week, Hal?
1: Well, I mean, it's, it's a quarterback league, and the world revolves around the quarterbacks. And, you know, the two biggest quarterback situations that we saw was, you know, Zach Wilson's knee, which, thank God, is not an ACL and out for the season for the Jets, so there's a chance he's back. And, you know, Kenny Pickett, who we were just talking about last week, Uh, you know stepped up and had a a great performance there Uh, a lot of hope now in Pittsburgh so uh, very exciting to see some young quarter quarterbacks uh, some news that wasn't as bad as we originally thought and some uh, you know performance that wasn't as bad as we originally thought it might be so uh, very optimistic for those franchises now.
0: A franchise that I am personally optimistic about in the long run, even though they do not have their quarterback of the future on the roster right now is the Seattle Seahawks. And the reason is, is that their draft class from 2022 looks special. And I mean, very special. It starts up front. How often do you get your two starting tackles in a single draft? The Seahawks look like they've done just that with Charles Cross at left tackle and Abe Lucas at right tackle. On Saturday against the Steelers, uh, Charles Cross and Abe Lucas, they weren't just showing picture-perfect pass protection, which was expected of them, given that they came out of uh, air-raid offenses in college, but they were also dominant. And I mean dominant in the run game. And some teams thought that they would be behind the curve in terms of their run blocking. Abe Lucas, he was just pancaking guys left and right. Oh, my goodness. And Boy Mafe a defense with that freakish athletic potential that he has. Uh, he uh, got to the quarterback twice with two sacks. And uh, Kobe Bryant's already becoming a leader in that secondary. That's CoBY Bryant, uh, no confusion with the late uh, basketball legend. And uh, also Tariq Woollen, an athletic freak, 64 sub43 speed. He's showing promise at that secondary. The Seahawks, they look like they've hit a home run with their draft class this year. And even though they do not have an adequate quarterback this year, they are not going to be an easy out for any team on their schedule.
1: Oh, that's a great point. And yeah, I mean, it was um, you know, just a Twitter exploding. You know, the, the Abe Lucas story uh just it took over for a while there, and it was, you know, just everybody just saying you know did you see this block oh yeah well how about this one did you see this one from that game and it 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 was just a delight to see and you know um like you said you know a right tackle and a left tackle in the first three rounds of the draft that was a uh you know a, a, a coup indeed and and you know and probably the The biggest name of that draft we didn't mention because he's out because of a hernia surgery but running back uh, you know Kenneth Walker, the third, you know when he gets healthy that could be one more piece that. uh, could be another huge part of you know, we saw the Seahawks that that uh, mini dynasty started from the draft and some great draft classes there so. You know, again, if you can build that way through the draft, you have such a huge advantage of that cost controlled um, players for those first couple of, you know, that those first four or five years of that contract makes a huge difference for any franchise there. And and the Seahawks look like they're uh, taking a step in the right direction here on their, you know, whether they said they're not rebuilding, they're reloading. So as (laughs) Pete Carroll said, so the reloads looking pretty good right now for Seattle.
0: It most certainly is, and uh, you mentioned two quarterbacks, and let's talk about those quarterbacks, starting with Zach Wilson, and as you said, last Friday, some were fearing the worst about Zach Wilson as he suffered a non-contact knee injury in the preseason opener against the Eagles. Thankfully, it turned out to be only a bone bruise and a meniscus tear that only required a trim, and he should be back no later than week three. However, that injury isn't the worst news about the second overall pick in the 2021 draft. Buzz out of Jets cap suggests that Wilson is being constantly outplayed by Joe Flacco, for crying out loud. Joe Flacco, Joe Flacco, I need an offensive of wine or else I'm terrible, Joe Flacco. The same guy. And that is a very ominous sign for uh, the former's long-term future in the NFL. So my question is, if Zach Wilson shows little to no progress this season, should the Jets highly prioritize selecting a quarterback with their 2023 first round pick?
1: I mean, I think they have to in the you know, the coaching and GM cycles these days, they're not, you know, you're you've got to show results in those first two or three years, so, you know, Robert Sal has got to be sitting there and thinking if I don't have my quarterback and I'm loading, you know, my GM's loading this team up with these high draft picks year after year here under my watch, you know, my job is on the line right here. If, uh, you know, if Zach Wilson isn't going to be able to be the guy. And, and hey, you know, we saw it last year. He really struggled as a rookie. And, and we kind of expected that he would be. But this was supposed to be his, uh, you know, a big step forward year. So now he's going to miss a huge chunk of training camp and the preseason game which he desperately needs uh, needs that time under center uh, t- to advance. And like I said, last year, you know, we had that whole um, Mike white phenomenon there that went on for a couple of weeks where, you know, Mike white goes out throws for 400 yards and beats the, the AFC champion Bengals, you know, I mean, <laughs> probably the the craziest game of all of last year. So again, you know, Zach Wilson, at Last year, the offense looked better when he was on the bench. This year, he's missing a big chunk of training camp. I mean, Joe Flacco comes out and, you know, say Wilson misses the first two games, they go, you know, uh, put up 30 points in each game and throws five touchdown passes. I, are you going to put them on the bench? You know, I mean, this is the NFL, but the Jets, have, the rebuild's been going on since Joe Namath left, for God's sakes. Like they need W's here. Um, this team doesn't have time to play around. And, you know, for Zach Wilson, you know, you've got to start showing that progress. And if the whispers are there, the progress, you know, wasn't there. I think it was um which wide receiver Garrett Wilson that said about Flacco it was nice to to have a catchable ball coming from your quarterback I mean whew, that's that's not a good sign for for Zach Wilson and, and coming back cold after an injury and missing camp uh, that just puts him behind the eight ball so yeah things could get messy in New York and uh you know the media is going to be all over that because nobody covers quarterback controversy like those papers in New York. Oh,
0: Oh, absolutely. And there might be another quarterback controversy in New York, and we'll get to that a little bit later. And the other quarterback you mentioned was Kenny Pickett, and rightfully so. Uh, We talked about the Steelers' quarterback battle last week, but not necessarily for the starting job, as it's pretty much a virtual certainty that Mitchell Trubisky will be the guy under center in week one. The battle for quarterback two took a fascinating turn, as you alluded to last week, with Kenny Pickett delivering a super-efficient performance against the Seahawks, going 13-15 to for 95 yards and two touchdowns. Granted, he was asked to make easy, simple throws, but the excellence, and I mean excellent, precision, ball placement, and underrated mobility that made the Steelers fall in love with him as a prospect were on full display for everybody to see. If Kenny Pickett maintains this efficient level of play these next two weeks, should that be enough for the Steelers to make him Trubisky's backup to start the season?
1: oh i think definitely i mean they we've all seen mason rudolph we all know what mason rudolph is and he's at best a backup wouldn't want him to start more than a game or two um so yeah i I mean for pickett i mean he really looked good you really saw that promise um you know i'm really looking forward to seeing him again here in week two of the preseason um you know, Mike Tomlin, I think he said it. What well, he's going to get a little more action against the varsity team. So uh, be very interesting to see how that plays out. But again, if he's, you know, shows that composure. And like I said, you know, I mean, it wasn't, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes running around back there and launching 60-yard passes. But, um, you know, he played how an NFL quarterback should be playing. Now, granted, you know, you want to say it was against second-team players. Yeah, whatever. He can't control who he plays against. He did what he had to do. If he can do that again this week, he's well on the way to winning that number two quarterback job there. And, you know, looking like ahead of the line for starter next year.
0: Indeed. And I didn't get to watch most of the preseason games last week because I happen to be at one of them, the Broncos Cowboys preseason game. And although hopes are higher in Broncos country for the first time in a long time because of Russell Wilson, the Broncos still suffered a crushing blow in training camp by losing underrated wide receiver Tim Patrick for the season with a torn ACL. And Tim Patrick, he's the type of player no single individual can replace 100%. But that said, the Broncos had multiple guys vying for that wide receiver three role stand out in training camp, and it translated to the field against the Cowboys. Brandon Johnson, an undrafted free agent from Central Florida, who Russell Wilson hyped up in June. He caught four passes for 64 yards, including a 40 yard catch with a defender literally draped over him that drew a flag. And in addition, another undrafted free agent from Appalachian State, uh, Jalen Virgil, flashed his immense potential as a deep threat, catching three passes for 83 yards. And also, Kendall Hinton, he who was forced to start a quarterback against the Saints in 2020 due to that COVID debacle, caught three passes for 53 yards, including a beautiful 24-yard touchdown catch. When you add all of those guys to K.J. Hamler, how encouraged should the Broncos be about their options at the third wide receiver spot with Tim Patrick on the shelf this season?
1: Yeah, I mean, Patrick definitely uh, a big loss, but, you know, just having, you know, behind Judy and Sutton you know the return of KJ Hamler was a big story in the offseason and if he's back that's a that's a big lift there like you said i was i really thought uh Hinton Kendall Hinton looked really good as well but you know bringing in these undrafted guys being able to make an impact um Johnson and Virgil that's huge huge for that depth because we know that 17 games you know, very hard to keep rolling out that those same 11, all 17 games teams. The depth is even more important than it was before with that extra game. Um, So for Denver, I mean, huge that they were all able to show here in that first preseason game. And, you know, it's a matter of, again, you know, we've always seen it every preseason Come out of week one, you know, oh, my God, this guy out of nowhere. We love those stories. We're all waiting for that next Kurt Warner story there. Um, So fingers crossed. I'm rooting for them all. No doubt about it. Um, But for Denver, it's got to be a little bit of a sigh of relief for the uh, front office there to see that depth paying off on the field there in that first preseason game.
0: Yes, and uh, wide receiver talent does matter. But the quarterback matters more, if not a lot more. And having Russell Wilson there throwing the ball to uh, some of those guys uh, that we just mentioned, how much will Russell Wilson help elevate those guys to help mitigate the loss of Tim Patrick?
1: Well, I mean, we've seen it repeatedly. You You know, great quarterbacks and great wide receivers go together great. You know, that's like peanut butter and jelly. But you know what? Peanut butter with a great quarterback all on its own. Uh, you know, you can pretty much slap it on anything and, you know, uh, you want to put it on, uh, you know, no jelly, no problem. Throw it on a banana, throw it on a piece of celery. Doesn't matter what you're pulling out of the fridge there. If you've got that peanut butter it's going to be delicious and that's the same thing with these great quarterbacks it's a sign of greatness, the ability of the quarterback to elevate the players around him that's a sign of a great quarterback and we've seen it, you know the Peyton Manning's the Tom Brady's um, really excited to see Patrick Mahomes this year. If he can do that, um, Aaron Rodgers, a little frustrated with his uh, new and young wide receivers there in Green Bay. But, you know, again, part of that greatness is the expectation that he's going to elevate that group by the end of this season. Um, and so, again, I put Russell Wilson in that same category. We've seen it in Seattle. Um, countless times, you know, these wide receivers who weren't the highest profile coming out of college and, um, you know, certainly had no problem putting up the points on the scoreboard with Wilson cooking in the kitchen there. So I, I think that's a very important point and very good point about that. And I expect Wilson to be able to do that and bring up that entire offense.
0: Oh, absolutely. And uh, Brandon Johnson continued his momentum today in practice for the Broncos by uh, being part of the number one offense during the uh, final uh, two minute drill of the practice, which led to a touchdown. And he reportedly made some key plays on that drive. So Brandon Johnson, he is gradually earning the trust of Russell Wilson. So if uh, you fantasy owners want an alternative to Courtland Sutton and Jerry Judy. A super late round flyer on Brandon Johnson just might be in your cards if he makes that final 53-man roster. So just uh, keep your ears and eyes open on that. And the other big takeaway from that game was the remarkable, and I mean remarkable, lack of discipline shown by the Cowboys who committed a whopping 17, and I mean 17 penalties. If this issue continues to rear its ugly head this season as it reared it set at that uh, playoff loss to the 49ers, is Mike McCarthy gone regardless of Sean Payton's availability in 2023? I think he is.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, oh, jeez. I mean, McCarthy, the hire itself, questionable. The performance last year, questionable. The lack of discipline that, you know, left Dallas again um, disappointed after a season filled with potential. Um, Again, you know, disappointment, thy name is Mike McCarthy. Um, You know, he's on the hot seat, no matter what, Um, you know, just because of that, you know, one and done in the wild card again last year, Jerry Jones doesn't need much of a push to make that change. And, you know, maybe it's not Sean Payton, but he can find someone else to fall in love with, I'm sure and uh mike mccarthy yeah you got you got to bring that discipline you've got to have that team ready to play and um you know you've got to do something more than you you know win the nfc east and go one and done in the playoffs and you know in the nfc east as well he's got philadelphia breathing right down their backs this year as well so there's a team that hopefully will be taking a big step forward Uh, Looks like they have the pieces and the potential to do that. So could be interesting for McCarthy. Yeah, lack of discipline. That's certainly been the story around Dallas lately. And uh, looks like no change here in 2022.
0: Yes. And speaking of potential Mike McCarthy replacements, not named Sean Payton, I think there's one on the current Cowboys staff. And his name is Dan Quinn.
1: Yeah, I I mean, Dan Quinn, you know, took a team to the Super Bowl, right? You know, he was defensive coordinator there in Seattle for the Legion of Boom. I mean, that's that looks pretty good on your resume. He's, if there's anybody that's, you know, well respected there in Dallas, definitely Dan Quinn. And, you know, again, A hot young offensive coordinator. On the other side, you've got Kellen Moore as well, who has been talked about as a potential uh, future NFL head coach there as well. And, you know, it may be a situation where Jimmy Jones uh, is looking at it, uh, Jerry Jones is looking at it and saying, hey, I don't want, oh God, that was a Freudian (laughs) slip there. (laughs) (laughs) Jerry Jones doesn't want Kellen Moore to get away like Sean Payton did. And even though he's young and unproven, uh, may get that opportunity in Dallas just so he doesn't spend the next 15 years chasing him like he did Sean Payton.
0: Oh, absolutely. And uh, if Sean Payton is unavailable, I would expect Jerry Jones to back out a Brinks truck for uh, Kellen Moore to make him stay in Dallas. And uh, he word has it he was planning on doing exactly that Uh, this past spring, but uh, thankfully he didn't have to. But when he has to, I fully expect him to do it. And now on to the Jacksonville Jaguars. We talked about how we expect Trevor Lawrence to look like the Trevor Lawrence we all expected him to be coming out of Clemson this season. And the first stringers for the Jaguars looked very impressive in their action against the Browns last week. Trevor Lawrence led the offense on an 11 play 63-yard touchdown drive and the defense held Deshaun Watson, and the Browns starting offense to just seven yards on three possessions my question is if Trevor Lawrence makes the giant year two leap we all expect and if the Jaguars D consistently plays a tenth of the way they played against the Browns last weekend will they be a legit candidate to go from worst to first I don't want to sleep on them if that comes to fruition
1: no, and, and I mean, you know, the NFL now, there always seems to be, you know, every year or so there's one of those worst to first teams, you know. Um, I mean, you know, nobody was nobody was picking Cincinnati to come out of the AFC last year. And and they certainly um, you know, turned that league on its head. Jacksonville, again, a team that uh won so many close games that they could have should have won last year um didn't win (laughs) you know know, letting uh you know victory slipping from their grasp against the jets uh you know some of those games the colts they had a chance the falcons games that they should have won and and just you know somehow snatched defeat from the victories of, of jaw of uh, jaws of victory or something like that. So yeah, I mean, again, a lot of high draft picks, a lot of talent coming into that team. You know, same type of situation as the Jets where they've really invested through the draft the last few years and you're starting to see the results on the field. And, you know, again, it could be the difference of that number one versus number two, you know, is this, uh, you know, Peyton Manning and Ryan Leaf or is this, you know... (laughs) You know, uh, I don't want to i sorry, I don't want to put Zach Wilson in that situation now, certainly not even close to that. Um, but again, you know, having that quarterback makes such a big difference. And if you turn around a couple of those, you know, close games that you lost, you know, that you were losing previously and you look at the South and you say, well, you know, Tennessee isn't as strong as they looked last year indianapolis they've got a lot riding on keeping matt ryan healthy for 17 games could the jags sneak in with a you know a strong start and catching some teams unaware winning some close games definitely i think um you know i expect trevor lawrence big step up i i liked what i saw out of the defense this first week so yeah i I definitely say the Jags are are trending right around at a eight win team right now. And with a little luck, who knows?
0: Absolutely. And now let's talk about the team that entered the NFL with the Jaguars in 1995, the Carolina Panthers, who in a matter of days are expected to make official that Baker Mayfield will be their starting quarterback going forward. And when you look at this Carolina team, they have very, and I mean very promising young talent on both sides of the football but the quarterback situation obviously totally handcuffed them last season. Does Baker Mayfield, who is now 100% healthy, give the Panthers a respectable chance at a wild card playoff berth this season?
1: Yeah, respectable chance. I I can I can buy into that. Respectable chance. I mean, again, this is a team that I mean, remember last year, uh, Matt Rule had them 3 and 0 to start the season and uh, we were all kind of going, "Oh my god, you know, uh, what's mm-hmm. with Carolina?" and, you know, then they could barely buy a win the rest of the season quarterback injuries all that stuff you know pulling cam newton back out there Oh, it was it got it got ugly there so (laughs) but uh like you said a lot of a lot of talent there on that team if you can keep christian mccaffrey healthy dj Moore is you know the probably the most underrated star wide receiver in the nfl right now he doesn't get mentioned as often as he should but you know absolute stud there on offense and then you know like you talked about that defense um you know a lot of young young high draft pick a lot of talent there a lot of speed um you know they get a little bit of confidence and that could be a, a surprising team there for sure so you know Carolina is part of that uh team to watch i think they're definitely in that mode so um yeah be very interesting to see um matt rule because he's kind of on the hot seat they kind of have to be in playoff contention this year because if they you know another five win season and he could be out the door very very easily
0: he is definitely out the door if they only win five games this season. They should be able to win several more with Baker Mayfield under center. And he is my right-hand man, Hal Bent, ladies and gentlemen, a full press coverage. Follow him on Twitter at Hal one And Hal, it is always a pleasure talking football with you week after week after week. But uh a show with you and I is incomplete. <laughs> Stealing from the Broncos, they're incomplete. <laughs> It is incomplete without our favorite game, Truth or Exaggeration. You know how this game works. I make a statement and you uh, let me know whether you think I'm telling the truth or whether I'm exaggerating and why. And we start with that other New York team, the New York Football Giants, who may have a quarterback controversy of their own as Brian Dayball made it clear that Tyrod Taylor will continue to get reps with the first string offense. So, Truth or Exaggeration, Tyrod Taylor will replace Daniel Jones as the Giants' starting quarterback by week eight or earlier?
1: I mean, I, I can give that a, a total truth there. Watching the Giants' uh, first preseason game, you know, uh, I thought Daniel Jones and Tyrod Taylor, throw in Davis Webb there as well. I mean, I thought they were all interchangeable. Like, the the offense functioned no better with Jones or taylor or webb Um, none of those three impressed me uh, during the game i thought that's a very bad sign when there's very little separation between fringe nfl quarterback hanging on for this year veteran quarterback brought in to pressure your former first round pick and that first round pick and the lack of separation there It has to be scaring the Giants. It certainly scared me. I would not be surprised at all that uh, Brian Dable, hey, he's not invested in Daniel Jones. Jones is up at the end of the year. He's got no reason to keep playing him if he doesn't think he's the quarterback of his future as head coach of the Giants. So quick hook on Daniel Jones. I would not be surprised to see Tyrod Taylor before week eight. You could say week six, week four, week two. I'd buy it. It's a truth. Uh, I'm going strong truth right there, David.
0: Yeah, Hal, uh, really behind the Tyrod Taylor buzz out of Giants camp. And now on to the Baltimore Ravens, who are considered the most likely worst of first candidate this year, and they were only in last place because the AFC North was so goddamn good last year. (laughs) (laughs) And the lone weakness on this Ravens team is the pass rush. Who is going to step up and rush the passer outside of Odafe Owe, who showed a lot of promise his rookie season last year. And a guy who we both proclaimed a steal the night he was drafted, in the third round at 76 overall, Travis Jones is turning heads at training camp, and he translated that to the field uh, last week against the Titans. So truth or exaggeration, Travis Jones will lead the Ravens in sacks this season.
1: Oh, I'd love to give it a truth. I really, really would. I mean, I, you know, always going to, yeah, I, always too talented. He's going to lead them in sacks. There's, there's no doubt about it there. He might, you know, if you want to say Travis Jones may have more sacks than Kalei Campbell, I'd say, okay, I can go with the truth on that. But leading the team, Oh yeah, too early for that. I got to go exaggeration.
0: No problem. And speaking of pass rush, let's go to the Broncos. The Broncos with the 105th overall pick in the 2021 NFL draft selected a freak of an athlete in Baron Browning and Baron Browning really came through big time for them last year, filling in at that inside linebacker spot. But the new coaching staff, wanted him to move over to edge because they thought he had even more potential there because of his uh, freakish athletic uh, measurables. And so far, so good. Baron Browning was absolutely dominant on Saturday night. He was the player of the game. Uh, he had like uh, a tackle for loss in the run game, a sack, and a PBU as well. And the Broncos, they have Bradley Chubb coming out of contract at the end of the season. And if a Baron Browning could stay healthy and uh, be a big part of that rotation, They're going to have a decision on their hands. So truth or exaggeration, Barron Browning will make Bradley Chubb expendable for the Broncos.
1: Uh, I think that's a little bit of an exaggeration here. Um, You know, certainly was impressive there on the outside. Um, You know, certainly looked like he had star potential uh, as an edge rusher there, that athleticism. Uh, translating there hey those Ohio State guys sometimes they just got it you know and uh, Baron Browning definitely certainly flashed some of that um, without a doubt for the Broncos you know contract year maybe just maybe you know Um, you know you got Browning um, you already paid Randy Gregory right so You know, you're going to break the bank for another edge rusher, high draft pick on Nick Benito this year as well. So, yeah, yeah, I, I think I'm feeling that a little bit of a truth. Yeah, a little bit of a truth there. They may not want to shell out for Chubb and, and let him walk rather than overpay. All right. You, I, I sold myself on it. I'm, I'll go with the truth here, David. I'm going yeah. with the truth. I can see it. It's wait, making wait. sense.
0: But if Bradley Chubb does ball out this year, then I think they're going to pay him. That's, yeah, that's I, all I do.
1: I, exactly. Double digit sacks. He's you know uh, just going to walk right up to the bank and write whatever he wants down on there, and they'll pay him. So no doubt about that. But yes, the option there if he has a disappointing season, injured. Um, Browning steps up. Definitely, you've already got that investment in Randy Gregory. Why not? Uh, younger, cheaper you know, find those dollars for some other position. I don't think uh, that's ever off the table in the NFL.
0: Absolutely. And now on to my other favorite team, the Chicago Bears, who had one of their top draft picks absolutely shine uh, this past weekend. So, true to exaggeration, if the Bears trade Roquan Smith, Jaquan Brisker immediately becomes the best player on their defense.
1: Yeah, I... I think we really have to go um, with a truth there. Brisker definitely has flashed that talent. The Bears lack some of that outside of Ron, Ron Smith. They lack some of that high end talent on defense. So yeah, I'm feeling it. I can go with the truth there on that um, without a doubt. I'll push that into a truth originally thought immediately, ah, it's got to be an exaggeration. And then I started running through the defense and I said, no, no, no. All right, I I can buy that. I can buy that. You got me sold here. So yeah, I I did it again, flipped it on myself. I'm going to go with the truth.
0: And for all you fantasy football players out there, this year is very uncertain and relatively thin and unproven at running back, but a running back to keep your eyes on in the latter part of your drafts is none other than Damian Pierce of the Houston Texans, who everybody down there says is running away with that starting running back job, and he is a fourth-round rookie. So truth or exaggeration, Damian Pierce will rush for 900-plus yards and eight or nine touchdowns his rookie season for the Texans.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely a truth there. Um, Texans, not a lot of talent. At that running back position uh, coming into the season. Um, You know, Pierce again was one of those guys at draft time that, you know, there were initially, I think, was very high on a lot of people's draft boards. And then as the draft got closer, he just kept tumbling in all the mock drafts. And so, you know, somebody that originally thought could have gone in the second round, getting him in the fourth round, definitely um, a great pick there. And again, you know, Marlon Mack, Rex Burkhead, you got a talented rookie. You're a young team like the Texans who are building for the future. Get them out there, feed them after the start. uh, You know, everybody talking about what Pierce has looked like in practice. Definitely, I'm not going to bench him for Marlon Mack or Rex Burkhead. I'll tell you that much right now. So yeah, let them stay healthy feed him those 200 carries and um you know 900 yards definitely give it a truth
0: yes and uh, he could be davis mills best friend this year for all we know because outside of uh brandon cooks uh there's no uh intriguing uh targets for davis mills in that passing game so that running game is going to be very key for davis mills to take that next step forward in his development and staying with running backs for a second you mentioned aaron Rodgers. uh publicly unloading on his uh, young receiving core uh, in Green Bay. And that is why I think this is a real possibility. Truth or exaggeration, Aaron Jones will catch 80-plus passes for the Packers this season.
1: Yeah, I can see that as the truth. I definitely can. Rodgers, really, you know, we saw him the other year campaigning to get Randall Cobb there. He really likes having receivers that he's comfortable with. um, No doubt about that. I mean, I'm sure all quarterbacks feel that way, but when you've got the cachet of Aaron Rodgers, you know, you can make it happen that way. And again, you know, if he's looking downfield and, you know, those young wide receivers, uh, Romeo Dubes or Christian Watson, aren't able to get open. Uh, Sammy Watkins is hurt again as expected. Amari Rogers, um, you know, can't beat out Randall Cobb. Yeah, he's going to be looking at, you know, Cobb and Jones and feeding those guys those, you know, three-yard passes there and uh, hoping for, you know, a whole ton of yak there to drive that offense. So definitely I would give that a truth there. I would not be surprised to see uh, Jones get a ton of passes coming out of that backfield with Aaron Rodgers looking downfield, getting disgusted by what he's seeing and just dumping it off to him repeatedly. (laughs) I can definitely see that happening. (laughs) Truth, truth, truth.
0: We're in agreement there, my friend. And now on to another rookie quarterback. Malik Willis will start multiple games at quarterback for the Titans this season. Truth or exaggeration?
1: I mean, I I think that's gotta be an exaggeration. I mean, this team is built around Ryan Tannehill right now. And as long as Tannehill's standing up and, you've got Derrick Henry in that backfield. The Titans are looking at themselves as, you know, they're a potential contender to come out of the AFC. They're giving themselves just as good chance as anyone. They're in a division that, you know, compared to the AFC West certainly looks very, very weak. So yeah, they're all in, um, I think, it's Tannehill for 17 games unless he's, you know, being carted off the field there. So that one, I'll give a little bit of an exaggeration. And, you know, speaking of Malik Willis, that, you know, highlight, running around back there in the pocket, tuck it, bring it in for a touchdown and then get benched by Mike Vrabel for not throwing the football. <laughs> just, you know, That's just, you know, Mike Vrabel in a nutshell. So yeah, I, I, I gotta say it's, it's all Tiana Hill all the way here in Tennessee.
0: <laughs> oh, we're a definite agreement there, man. Uh, as uh, all uh, the guests who uh, came on my show for our dash of the draft series this year said Malik Willis needs at least one year of seasoning on the bench, and uh, the Titans clearly agree with that. And that's all there is to it. And last but not least, for truth or exaggeration, the Chiefs had one of their first round picks absolutely explode out of the scene this past weekend. George Carlactus will be in the defensive rookie of the year conversation by the end of the year. Truth or exaggeration?
1: Oh, I'll, I'll give that a truth. I mean, that was a, a great value pick for Kansas City. He certainly. Uh, could have went higher in the draft. I certainly expected he would. Um, Great value there, uh, getting Karlaftis at the end of the first round as they did. So yeah, I mean, he's going to be putting pressure on um, those pass rushers there in Kansas City. I don't think, um, you know, they're married to a declining Frank Clark, uh, Carlos Dunlap, You know, again, another player that's on the heading on the downside of his career. Uh, Kalaftis keeps showing it and keeps bringing it. And certainly that was what he did in college. Make no doubt about it. That motor at Purdue was one of the most impressive parts uh, of his tape. So, yeah, definitely. Truth, truth, truth. I think they're gonna be pushing him out there and uh, feeding off that energy on defense as well. So uh, a big boost potentially to that defense there to be able to have him lining up there on the edge and, and complimenting Chris Jones and maybe they can keep Jones in the middle of the defense where he belongs this year. <laughs>
0: Oh, definitely. And uh, Karlaftis is going to have a lot of opportunities to pin his ears back because even without Tyree Kill, the Chiefs still have Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and a pretty promising rookie named Sky Moore. They're going to be playing with the lead quite a bit, which is going to give Karlaffis a lot of opportunities to rush the quarterback. And he is my right-hand man, Hal Bent, to full press coverage. Follow him on Twitter, at HalBent01. Hal, thank you so much once again for another fun night of football talk. And that's it for today here on Sports Crush. But we'll be back again next week to recap week two of the NFL preseason, so stay tuned. And in case you miss it, I highly, 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 highly recommend that you check out our special six-part Beyond the Chap series that we did with the 2022 Denver Broncos cheerleaders this summer. They contain a lot of powerful life lessons that can help you in whatever you are currently doing. Meanwhile, be sure to follow me on Twitter at dcrom and now on Instagram and TikTok and sportscrunch with dcrom. And remember, that's crunch with a K. For Hal Bent, this is David Cromwell saying so long and whatever you do, choose love, choose kindness, choose compassion, choose empathy, choose selflessness, and keep the people of Buffalo, Uvalde, Texas, Highland Park, Illinois, and of course, the brave, inspiring people of Ukraine in your thoughts, prayers, and whatever actions possible. Until next time, cats, kittens, stay cool.